Hey guys, Darren here. We'll continue with the show in just a second, but first I've got some exciting news for you. Now you may have heard of Digital Marketer's world-renowned library of execution cycles. They are step-by-step guides for every aspect of the marketing business. Everything from using Google AdWords to building a landing page to starting a blog or a podcast or setting up a Shopify store. These execution cycles are almost like instruction manuals that will guide you through the process and make you feel like an expert. And our very latest edition comes from Molly, who, as you know, is one of the leading authorities in Facebook Messenger marketing. It's called the six-step Facebook Messenger Bot Builder. And the best part is you can get access to all this for free. If you are already a lab member, then you're ready to go. If not, you can take a free 30-day trial and check it out. So go to digitalmarketer.com forward slash trial. All right, back to you, Ralph. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to episode 169 of the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is Ralph Burns and I am here at the shop.org conference in sunny Las Vegas, Nevada, the beautiful Venetian Hotel alongside Adam Killam taking the place of Molly Pittman this week. Adam, you are the VP of BizDev for the Tier 11 agency. How the heck are you, man? Hey, I'm doing awesome. I'm happy to be here at NRF's shop.org show, and it's just been a blast. Yeah, it's been awesome. And we've met a lot of people here. You know, Adam's been roaming the floors. He has been the man on the street. You can recall back in February when we dubbed him the Seacrest of Canada. And uh, he's been doing some of the same sort of stuff here at shop.org this past week. If you ever go to a conference with Adam, you typically will get to know most of the attendees to that conference. What are people talking about? What do you hear on the street? What have you seen? All that. The really cool thing about this is that you have massive brands here and you have medium-sized brands and you have brands that are just kind of getting going. And the thing to understand about shop.org It's run by the National Retail Federation, which is the world's largest retail association. It has members from over 42 countries. So the thing about that is that everyone here is retail first, and then digital is like a secondary channel. And the main topic, I mean, everyone, even this conference exists to talk about the digital side of being a retailer. And so all of these brands have e-commerce presences, and they're just all here to learn, you know, what's going on in digital and how can they take advantage of the latest technologies and trends? And they're talking about marketing and sales and just a wide variety of things. So retail itself, I mean, it is what the largest single private employer in the U.S. or in the world. I mean, this is obviously if you want to be targeting businesses or at least for us, we're here for business development. And obviously, we're an agency that focuses on e-commerce and selling physical products online, although we still do info marketing. Tell us a little bit about the types of attendees that are here and what their exposure is to digital versus, you know, plain old brick and mortar. One of the things that really struck me is that especially the larger brands that are here and the sort of mid-sized brands, they're talking a lot about omni-channel marketing. So, you know, in the digital direct response space, we would call that multi-platform or cross-platform. And there's lots of different terms for it, but essentially the question that everyone's asking is, How do we reach consumers before, during, and after they buy to create a great experience for them on every platform that they interact with? So that's a big topic of discussion here. And one of the cool things is that by being a listener of perpetual traffic, everyone here is ahead of the curve because we all live and breathe that, right? Yeah. 
That's a really good point. Here we are, we've been doing this for over three years now, and we sort of take for granted that what we know about the digital and the online world as far as marketing businesses, everyone else at least knows something about that. And I think it's been really interesting for us in the last year, especially in the last six months with some of the recent difficulties with Facebook, how that's now become national news. And now people are sort of waking up to the fact that, yes, this is a really powerful platform. And if I'm not online, maybe I should dip my toe in the water for Facebook ads first. So has that been something that you've heard here through the crowd? And like, is there an awareness of Facebook advertising the platform just itself? Oh, absolutely. If you talk to anybody here, Facebook is the thing that they are focused on. And of course, going back to what I just said about Omnichannel, they're definitely talking about lots of other platforms. We had a chance to meet and speak with Snapchat mm-hmm. or Snapping because they're more recently called. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit more. Sure. But they're talking about all the different platforms, but Facebook is the big place that everyone starts. And I think one of the big reasons for that is that a lot of the things that people sell online today are just so easily shown through a video, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook, it's in line with why you go to Facebook, not necessarily to shop, but to discover new things, see what people are up to, discover trends, talk with your friends. And when advertisers are presenting products in really interesting and fun and unique ways, that's in line with the experience that you go to Facebook for. So it's not your typical old ads, like ads have to be entertaining and educational. And people here are definitely focused on all that. But again, I think perpetual traffic listeners are way ahead of the curve too, Mm. in a lot of ways. So that kept coming up for me as well, because we live in this world of direct response and live in this world of digital. And I know our listeners do too. But people are here to try to get the same information that, you know, everyone here has been listening to for years. Yeah, Yeah. no, for sure. So when you talk about omni-channel marketing, what does that mean to maybe a business that isn't maybe have a enormous online presence as of yet? Like, what does that sort of mean to that type of business? So if you don't have an enormous presence online, you could simply start with Facebook and Instagram. Then you could take it a step further and use the AdWords platform. AdWords gives you multiple options to advertise on. You can do Google search, there's Google shopping. You can use the display network. You can also get into YouTube ads. And so the average small business today can very easily actually become an omni-channel marketer. You may not use that term. It's a bit of a mouthful, but mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. very easily you can reach people. And for example, someone does a Google search and finds one of your AdWords ads and then they visit your website, well, then you can use the Facebook pixel to retarget them and show them an ad that was related to what they were looking for. And all of a sudden you are a sophisticated advertiser. You are advertising like a lot of the big brands are figuring out how to advertise. Right. And it's within your grasp. So how about the moving offline to online, but then online to offline as well? What does that sort of mean to retailers? Yeah, I think that's a trickier question, I think, to answer. But definitely a subject of conversation. So I think the website CarMax was one of the examples that was used at the event. And so CarMax is a used car sales website. And what they figured out was that despite having this massive retail presence and lots of people coming into their retail stores to actually pick up and use the vehicles, the mobile site was the thing that was getting 10, 20, 30 times the amount of traffic. Mm -hmm. But they saw this as an opportunity and they started to focus there to create like a really engaging experience online to then bring people offline. Uh, And they also tried to think about, okay, well, when people show up, what can we do to encourage them to go back and check us out online? And again, I think this is the type of thing that just requires some creative thinking. If someone's in your store already, if you have a retail presence, 
why would you want them to go online? Well, the big challenge for a lot of retailers is how do you capture information? Like what reasons, what things are you going to offer people? How are you going to get them to trust you, get their information so that you can start developing a relationship so that they will come back? Another thing that we all know happens today is we go into a big box retailer or whatever the store is, and we end up going to Amazon or we end up going maybe even to their website, hopefully. Maybe while you're there. (laughs) (laughs) Retailers love that. I'm guilty. Yeah. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) So that's another thing too, is that instead of having someone go off to Amazon where you're going to pay a much higher fee to sell your product, and there's a lot of competitors' products there, something to think about is, okay, if we have a retail presence, how can we get them to go to our website? Because then they're staying within the brand and we're building that relationship. And I think vice versa, the the neat thing about attendees here is that because they're retail first, they're working on their online presence, but they have the opportunity to drive people into stores with specials online. They can create unique experiences for customers have people show up, they can do special events and that type of thing. I know that happens in the car industry a lot. They'll use their online ads to drive people to you know, a landing page or a website, and then they'll invite them into the store for a special reveal. Like That type of thing is really cool. It's fun. And then it just keeps perpetuating because then people are there taking pictures and talking on social media. And so it's like this online, offline, online again cycle. And yeah. it's pretty neat to see. Yeah. And with offline conversion events, if you are using Facebook, you can actually measure the effectiveness of those ads. Believe it or not, if you're a Facebook advertiser right now, chances are you are if you've been listening to this show. If you do have a physical presence store, that being maybe a car dealership or whatever it happens to be, if you actually automate and pull your CRM sales data, you can then throw that back into Facebook and integrate and actually see the conversion effects of your videos, your pre-engagement content, whatever it happens to be. Something that we really haven't talked about a whole lot. I think we had Wicked Scott from Wicked Reports on a few episodes back to talk about offline conversions, but it's something that's super powerful for an organization like the ones that are here, really, these retail organizations. I don't think they realize that you can actually have that tie-in. That's pretty powerful. So you can actually tag a CPA or at least a cost to your online ads for your offline sales is tremendous. It's super smart. And I think the most sophisticated advertisers are definitely going to pick up on that and be using it. And I think in the future, everyone knows that we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg here. Like eventually our devices are going to be automatically communicating while we're in the store or we're somewhere else, you know, with the cloud and things are just going to get, I think, easier for advertisers to use and more sophisticated with this whole online and offline matrix. Tie-in. You know? Yeah, yeah tie-in. really. Yeah. So, I mean, bringing it right back to, and this might be actually putting you in the spot a little bit, but I believe <laughs> we do have a discovery call with a customer later on today who's an ideal fit for us, who has a regional pizza uh, <laughs> business. And so in your recommendations, obviously they have an offline strategy. They're still sort of formulating what that online really tie-in would be. So for somebody like that, if I'm selling pizzas, how would I integrate Facebook and Instagram and audience network or, you know, Google for that matter to an offline sale where it's typically, you know, you either have to go into the store and pick it up or get it delivered. This brand that we're talking to later today is actually pretty sophisticated with their online offline approach. And so what they do is they run ads to people geographically targeted to where they have pizza locations or franchises. So they run ads in those local areas and they'll run various specials, you know, throughout the month. And then what they're doing is often they're getting phone calls or they're getting people to come into the store or they're going online. So you've got three different channels there. The phone is something that if you run an e-com business, most people will 
swear by offering some type of phone support if your business can support that it tends to generate you know 20 to 30 percent bump in conversions but tracking gets difficult so they've discovered a way to use offline conversion tracking and they get phone calls in-store visits and they get online purchases of their pizza products we're talking hugely successful national chain and they've really dialed it in so they're using all mediums possible and i think a lot of people will forget that a lot of e-commerce stores. And I think Ezra Firestone even talks about this a fair amount in his teachings. He's been a regular guest here on the podcast. And just by adding a phone number to your order form, increased conversions by, I believe it was 27 or 28%, just adding a phone number. So even if you are online, you're like, all right, I'm all online. I'm just going to go through my Shopify store and go through the checkout process. Don't forget, you're leaving money on the table. Of course, one talks about leaving money on the table, but that's an easy thing to do if you do have customer support or, in this case, a local store. Of course, people typically will pick up the phone and order a pizza, and a lot of times they won't think about doing it online. So just that unto itself is a way to boost your conversions and enhance the effectiveness of your advertising. Some of the other big questions that you've heard out there are driving more sales to consumers online, but what's the sense of this group here as far as what they would think of first? Is it Facebook? I mean, obviously we're Facebook centric here, but what's been sort of your sense when you've talked to people here about it? I think the answer generally is that it is Facebook, but it really also depends on the demographics and, you know, like who are you targeting and where are they? This is an interesting point from our conversation with the people at Snapchat that we met. And they were saying that 34% of Snapchat users don't use any other social platform because the demographic is predominantly 18 to 34 years old. And a huge chunk of that group, they don't use Facebook or Instagram. And that's kind of hard to believe given that Facebook has over 2 billion users now. But the main thing to sort of keep in mind and what these brands are talking about is we have to reach people where they're at. And so even if Facebook is the main point of conversation and the main thing that they're thinking about and Instagram as well as a close second, Snapchat is still a very viable platform. And there's lots of other platforms out there too that are important to reach consumers on, get in front of them. I know you've spoken with a number of people just through your daily interactions and discovery calls that they have with you and they fill out our contact form. And I think there was one in particular that had a pretty remarkable, very simple strategy, which yielded a lot of data about who their customer actually is, but also got a fair number of conversions. So care to share that story with us? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was talking with this new cosmetics brand in Australia, and I think there's something like 12 to 14 months old. And one of the co-founders is a designer. So the brand just looks spectacular. When I looked at it, I thought this must have been around for years and years and years. And I was just blown away by the level of detail and attention they put into the brand. And so the story is, is that we were talking about Facebook ads because they're working on scaling up their campaigns and they're getting to the point now where it might make sense to hire an agency. They're still running their ads in-house, which is true of just about everyone that comes our way. They get a certain level of proficiency in Facebook ads and they start to scale up and then they get so busy running the business that that they can't just do everything. And so hiring an agency becomes something that they start to look at. So they decided to run a test on Snapchat. The interesting thing about Snapchat that some of you may not know or may not have heard is that they now have a self-serve ad platform. And so 
that ad platform, it used to be you had to go and do a media buy like with Snapchat and they managed a it. A blind buy, yep. as it would be called. Yeah. Exactly. It's like the yep. old school days of buying media, right? Yep. I think it cost around somewhere between 500000 and 700000 in the past to advertise, but now advertisers can get started on their own, just like they can with Google or Facebook using the self-serve platform. And they can start with thousands of dollars a month. I've heard estimates somewhere between the three to $5,000 a month range, you can run tests. So that's what this brand did. And because of the demographics on Snapchat, you know, you're talking 76% of them are 34 and younger. They drove an enormous amount of visitors also because the CPM or cost per thousand people that you can reach on Snapchat is significantly lower than most other social platforms. They drove an enormous amount of visits to their site. Now, the thing to understand too, is that before they were advertising to women who were 40 plus. So their average price point, I think is somewhere in the 60 to $70 range, which is, you know, I would consider that sort of medium end. Not on impulse buy. Yeah. Really. Yeah. But when you're spending $70, you got to think about that, right? Sure. Then the thing is that even more remarkable is that their average order value was like north of 150. So that's a pretty high ticket sale in the world of cosmetics where you can buy lots of stuff for say five, 10, $15. Sure. And so that's why they were advertising to this older demographic because it's commonly assumed and known that older, not to offend anyone out there, but <laughs> relatively older, right? No offense taken. <laughs> <clears throat> but the 40 plus crowd has the money and they're probably going to spend money on the higher goods. That was their assumption. Well, sure. they tested on Snapchat. They drove thousands and thousands of what turned out to be very qualified visitors to their website and they got tons of people buying. And the cool thing was that they had no idea this was going to happen. They just did it on kind of a whim. And what they started to do was retarget that traffic on Facebook. Smart, right? Yeah. So cold advertising on Snap get them over to the website, then retarget those visitors on Facebook and get a second touch or a third touch or whatever. And the conversion value, it was enormous. The average order value was enormous. Now they do it consistently. And then the even cooler thing about this is that the light bulb went off and they're like, well, why don't we change the focus of our entire marketing? Mm -hmm. Let's stop trying to reach the 40 plus crowd and let's go for the 18 to 34 year old crowd. And let's do that on Facebook and Instagram and Snap and then other platforms. And basically this is allowing them to just achieve a level of scale that they didn't think was possible before, you know, in part driven by Snap's low cost right now relative to Facebook. Well, that's a great story. So, I mean, we talk about Facebook and Instagram, obviously here you know, that's the focus of the show. But I mean, what we always say is we're platform agnostic. Like we really, we just use those two platforms just because in our opinion, the targeting, the ability to be able to reach a massive amount of people is there. I mean, there's 2 billion active users on Facebook. There's now a billion monthly active users on Instagram and there's 400 million daily active users on Instagram. Like just think about the breadth of that amount of people. And then Snapchat you know, we talked to them last night. It was sort of interesting. They seem like they sort of have an inferiority complex when it came to Facebook and Instagram. We're like, we don't really bit. care. You know, it's like there's 191 million daily active users on Snapchat. 191 million. That is a lot. I don't care. Like by comparison to 2 billion. Yeah, it's not as much as 2 billion, but it's still a tremendous amount of people there. And if 34% of them don't use those other platforms, there's a way that you can really access a whole other subset of your potential customers and do it super cheaply. Because right now, CPMs, which is cost per meal, cost per thousand on Snapchat are roughly what, about $2 thereabouts? 
Yeah, I think the average is about 295. Right. Um, That's a stat from AdAge. Yeah, and if you look at all platforms, Instagram, Facebook, audience network combined, audience network is sort of the cheap Google display network for Facebook, in essence, which brings down the overall CPMs. Overall CPM on Facebook right now is about $12. So if you can capture potential cheap retargeting audiences on Snapchat, you know, maybe 34% of them aren't logged into Facebook, but two thirds of them are in that people-based tracking, you will still be able to capture those in your audiences inside Facebook. And now you've got them on Facebook and you can actually target them just like this company did. So it's additive. You know, we now have a Google division inside tier 11, which has been super helpful for us because it magnifies the effectiveness of Facebook and Instagram. Although the Snapchat people were a little shy last night. We did say, hey, come by. The <laughs> you know, maybe Snapchat is something that we add on to our portfolio because you know, the CPMs are there. There's not many advertisers that are on there. Now it's a self-serving platform, which makes it a heck of a lot easier to use as opposed to a blind media buy. So I think that was a big takeaway here at the show. And it's great. Uh, they throw a hell of a party too, actually. It was a pretty good party last night. <laughs> yes, they do. So what else? We've talked about Snapchat here. We've talked about a lot of the things that have gone on with the speakers. Any other big themes that you've seen or sort of noticed at the conference that our listeners might be interested in? One of the other things that there's been a lot of talk about is optimizing the online experience. Specifically, you know, how do you decrease bounce rates? How do you reduce checkout times? How do you remove friction from the process? How do we get people through and have them buy something without abandoning the cart? The interesting thing, I'm sitting here listening to medium-sized, larger brands talk about this and some of the tests and things that they've done to decrease bounce rates, increase the number of conversions that they're getting and so on. And the thing that I found interesting about that is that just a few weeks ago, I was in Reno at our friend Tanner Larson's Build, Grow, Scale event. Absolutely. He opened the event saying, listen, guys, I know like 80% of you want to know about Facebook ads. And he was like, I hate to break it to you, but we're not talking about Facebook this weekend. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. Everyone thinks that they have a traffic problem, you know, that they need more people, more leads, more traffic, more customers. But what Tanner's message was all about is like, listen, if you can even get like a one, two, 3% improvement in conversion, whether you're using Shopify or Magento or whatever the platform is, working on the back end customer experience doing things like order bumps. And there's just so many things you can do in the shopping cart. You can use email, you can use messenger, you can use phone, SMS. Like the list is really long of things that you can do on the back end to create a better experience and get people buying and coming back. That's where you should really place your focus. And yes, absolutely. Traffic is important. Obviously, that's what we talk about a lot of the time on the show here. For sure. Right. But equally important is this back end experience. And that's what a lot of the brands here this week were really talking about. I just found it so interesting because Tanner's event is aimed at like the small, medium sized business. These are businesses that are doing anywhere from, say, 500,000 to a million to 10 million, like in that range. Whereas at shop.org, there are those types of businesses here too, but they're also much bigger brands, but they're all talking about the same thing. And they know it's important, but they need help. And they don't necessarily know what tests to run. They don't necessarily know what the highest points of leverage are. And they're all trying to figure this out as well. And they might be doing it on a bigger scale, but to the smaller advertiser out there, just keep in mind, like you have your front end, you have your traffic, and then you have your back end. Now, again, direct response marketers would maybe consider the back end the stuff that happens after the sale, but I would say that if even info marketers and e-commerce people out there, 
maybe you want to call it the middle end, but everything that happens in your shopping cart and on your site, there's so much you can do to improve that experience and get better conversion rates and speed up the process for people and just make their lives easier. It was amazing. The keynote that we saw when we first came into the conference yesterday was all about that. It was about cart abandonment, was about monetizing the traffic and whether it's organic traffic or paid media traffic as much as you possibly can. And it was really great to see that because I was like, man, here's this big show talking about the same sorts of things that we rail our customers on at all times. I mean, increasing your average order value, getting your customers to purchase again, obviously, doing something more than just the standard cart abandonment processes that most folks are sort of bolt on or added on to like a Shopify platform that's just out of the box. Really thinking about that because I think on episode 166, when we interviewed Tanner about this, he gave three really good things for you to do. I hardly encourage if you're an e-commerce company or if you're an info company, go back to that episode, episode 166 and get his book. It's e-commerce evolved, correct? Yes, that's right. It's a great book. It's a quick read. And I think folks here would really think about their businesses in a different way as opposed to just pouring on more traffic on the front end. Yeah, that's great. That's what we talk about. That's what our agency does for sure. But we also advise on everything after the fact. We have a number of customers right now that we're actually talking to about this very thing. 100%. And it's a foreign concept for some folks. So, you know, one of the details that I think is important is actually, I believe it was mentioned in that first talk was that cart abandonment rates right now are just insanely high because of the mobile experience. Obviously, you need Mm -hmm. a mobile enabled website. You know, there's a lot of statistics that show people have their first interaction on mobile and then convert on desktop. That's fine. But there's a 70 to 97%. 97 percent upwards people who add something to your cart who abandon it you've already paid for that traffic yep so tanner talks about ways in which to come back and actually help continue the sale but one of the things that was mentioned in that first talk was that three out of four reasons that people abandon is because of no free shipping right or shipping costs are too high Or they didn't qualify for free shipping. Maybe they didn't hit that threshold. We're actually talking to a customer right now. Say if you get a certain threshold, $75 or $50, then offer free shipping. It helps increase your average order value. Okay, But it could also be a way in which you can at least look at your business from that back end. That's like how we would suggest doing it. Look how you can pick all that money up off the table in cart abandonment. And especially when it comes to free shipping, And unfortunately, Jeff Bezos has blown this for all of us. (laughs) People are so used to, uh, I do it all the time. I'll Google something and I'll about to buy it. And then I'll just go over to Amazon because I'm a prime member. So he's blown it for the rest of us, that guy, that diabolical genius that he is. But the point is, is that you've got to stay up with the time. So, I mean, I think if there's one thing that you can look at is to lessen those cart abandonment rates is help with free shipping as much as possible. And with our customers, we advise them, you know, bake it into the cake as much as you possibly can. It's okay to actually have a 5% price increase so that you get a little bit extra margin. It might help you on the margin side, but it'll also help eliminate or at least lessen the impact of cart abandonment, which still is and continues to be a real issue. Absolutely. And this all goes back to the concept of the e-com ad amplifier that you've been rolling out on the show and talking to people about. And one of the most profitable segments of traffic for any, I mean, I would say that this is true for e-com. This is also true for info marketers, even people who are doing lead generation. 
that page before the sale takes place. The cart abandoned segment of traffic, people that are pretty much right there, but then they get distracted or for some reason they have a question that's not being answered or maybe you don't have a phone number or maybe they're wondering about shipping, that type of thing, and then they leave. And so that segment of traffic, if you can just get that person back, maybe you know, you're running an ad, let's say for three days after someone abandons the cart, sometimes all it takes is just a little nudge, like a little reminder, hey, did you forget to check out? And then if that doesn't work, maybe um, a few days later, you hit them with an ad that says, did you realize you can get free shipping on orders over $50 or something like that, right? Like you said, increases average order value, but it's also a way to win people back and to get them to complete that purchase. I think this is exactly what people are talking about here. You can do a double whammy. So if you improve your checkout experience or increase the number of people that actually complete the purchase in the first place, Mm -hmm. free shipping being one of those huge levers that you can pull, that's excellent. Now, if you add on top of it, a layer of ads that also encourage people to finish that process. And then what if you also had like a messenger campaign going, you know, or a SMS campaign, as he talked about, or obviously email, like focusing on that end and not necessarily the traffic. I realize that's not really good for our business telling people that, but that's fine. <laughs> like this whole thing is about monetizing and making use of the traffic that you have and helping to monetize it as much as possible. So you've already paid for it. Absolutely. And I think the thing too, is that once you have your website up and running, then you obviously need to get some traffic. You need to get some sales, you need to start collecting data. Once you have the traffic coming in, you're actually getting some sales. People are going through the process and you've done this for a period of time. You have like a baseline to look at. Well, then it might be time to think about the back end again. And it's sort of this back and forth process, right? Work on your traffic, then work on your conversion, then go back to scaling up your traffic and then keep tightening up the conversion because the more traffic you're driving, the better and faster you can optimize and test because you need all that data. So it's just a really cool cycle. Yeah, it definitely is. And we see it every day, folks, just so focused on the front end. Once again, go back and listen to that episode with Tanner, but also go back two episodes where we do talk about the e-com ad amplifier. It's a really systematic way of monetizing every level of your traffic from level one cold traffic all the way through to level five, which is purchasers. Didn't really even talk about that here today on the show, you know, getting your customers to buy again, especially if you've got a perishable or something, you know, where you can do cross sells and upsells, all that. But there's two episodes to check out is 145 and 146, 146. We actually do a case study on the e-com ad amplifier and talk about this very thing here because, you know, as much as you can monetize that traffic that you've already paid for, as we always said, with any of these strategies, you're going to be a much more profitable business and uh, one that's going to thrive online and offline. 100%. And, you know, something else that just came to mind was that another thing that people were talking a lot about was personalization and how important it is to personalize everything, even the on-site experience. And so there's some great new technology. There were several people that had exhibits here that have platforms that allow you to sort of customize even the shopping cart experience and what you're showing to people based on what you know about them. Mm. And there were some innovative tactics that I saw too. We're all familiar with the Ask methodology and Ryan Levesque survey funnel and that type of thing. You know, very powerful tool. What some brands are doing is they're running the surveys so that they can collect information on people, segment those types of different people. And then what they do is they adjust their websites when those people come back, because now they know a little bit about you. They adjust the experience so that you have a better experience so that you're being shown things that are more relevant to you. And so I think this is part of the whole data collection thing where Mm. brands are trying to make the experience as great as possible for you. 
And that's part of the reason why they sometimes do these things to try to collect just a little bit of information so that they can customize the experience. And that also has the effect of increasing conversion rates, right? Yeah. And so that used to be something that was extremely difficult to do and only big brands could do it. But now just like Shopify and Magento are making e-com available to everybody, there are platforms that are up and coming that are also making those types of tools and resources available to people. Yeah, it's amazing digitally what's really evolved in the last three years and what's an out-of-the-box solution, which is in some cases the out-of-the-box solution is more than you would have had. It would have been a manual process to actually add that in and coding and everything else. And now these platforms have evolved so much that if you're using all the tools in the toolbox, you're going to increase your average order value. You're going to get customers that are more satisfied. 100%. And just going back to your point earlier about, hey, guys, don't just focus on traffic. Like Mm. sometimes... I have to chuckle because I think you were telling a story recently where we had a customer of the agency now, but they came to us and, you know, you were on a call with them and they were saying, oh, we're doing this test and we want to test this funnel and this product. And they were an info company and, oh, we've got this idea and that. They had a huge number of ideas they were cycling through. And you were like, guys, you're like, what do you need us for? You already have a really successful business. Obviously, we can help you. We can drive more traffic, but you don't need us to help you test a new funnel. You need to just drive more traffic and spend more money to promote what you have that's already working. Right. So sometimes that's a traffic thing. Like, yeah. hey, guys, you're focused on conversion, but you need to be focused on traffic. Right. A lot of times people come to us because they want Facebook and Instagram and whatever, but really they actually have to focus on conversion, which is more back to Tanner's point. For sure. And a lot of the sessions here at shop.org were focused on exactly that. I think there's a lot of takeaways here and a lot of things. It was, I think, encouraging for us to see that the theme was similar to what we talk about here on the show and is what we actually talk about with our real customers as well as prospective customers. So overall, this is a conference I think we're going to be coming back to year in and year out. This has been great, Adam, the man on the street, the Ryan Seacrest (laughs) of Canada. We still have sort of an afternoon here later on. Serena Williams is talking. So we're going to check that out as well. This has been episode 169 of the Perpetual Traffic Podcast here with Adam Killam sitting in for Molly Pittman. We'll see you next week on next week's episode. But yeah, 169, go to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast for all the resources that we discussed here. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This has been episode 169. Until next week, see ya. See you guys. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.